We are so glad uh, that you've joined us on this first Sunday of 2021 to worship the Lord, whether you're here in person or you are watching online. And uh, I know for many, 2020 was a, was a particularly difficult year. And, and I think I speak for all of us when I say that uh, we are ready to welcome in the new year and we are optimistic for what the Lord might have in store for us. And, and I just want to mention that uh, as we head into this new year, if there's anything in particular that we can pray with you about, and to know that we as, uh, as pastors and uh, our, our speaker for our elders and deacons as well, that we would love to pray with you about that. And uh, the, just the best thing you can do, if you're on our homepage right now, you can scroll down, you can see there's a button prayer request, or after the service, you can just come up here and there'll be somebody that would uh, be happy to pray with you about anything that you have going on in your life. Well, I, I know for many of us that... Uh, that time between Christmas and New Year's, uh, there's a little bit of a lull in activity, and uh, hopefully that lull in activity allowed for uh, some space for some reflection, and it feels right, uh, perhaps even wise, to occasionally take that time uh, to reflect and to, to inventory our lives in order to make sure that, uh, that our, our actions and our behaviors are on track to give us the results that we want out of life. And as a result of this reflection, I know some will set some physical goals, like exercise more. Or I look out, I see two people in our congregation, I know that, that their goal is to take that to another level. We, Tom Capron and Dal Calicut, their goal is to run a marathon this year. Uh, some of you might have financial goals, like paying off student loans. Some of you might have a mental or, or, or an academic goal, like uh, finishing a, a degree program or reading more. And all of these might be worthwhile goals, but let me ask you this. If Jesus was here today, what goal do you think he would want to give you? If, if Jesus were present and you were to invite him to help shape the priorities of, of your life for 2021, what do you think he would tell you? Now, now one should always be very careful in presuming uh, to speak for Jesus. Uh, I, I don't mean to sound presumptuous here, but we do know that as, as, we, as we look at his earthly ministry and we study his teaching, we, we see that there was a constant refrain, something that came up again and again. You know what Jesus told us, the, the people that were, that were with him again and again? He said this, follow me. Two simple words. It's a pretty straightforward invitation. And it's one that jumps out at me because these words are also the motto of the U.S. Army Infantry. And prior to becoming a pastor, I spent five years in the infantry. And so there was a time in my life when I was at the Infantry Officer Basic Course where I walked past the Follow Me sculpture uh, virtually every morning. I thought that was going to appear, but oh, there it is. And also the, uh, the instructors, uh, the patch that they had on their arm, their unit insignia, had follow me stamped on it. Even, even the cadences that, uh, that we sang while we were marching, they had follow me in it. Airborne, airborne infantry, queen of battle, follow me. And so when, uh, when Pastor David uh, invited me to preach on this particular Sunday on anything I wanted, my thoughts immediately turned to a passage I had read recently at the end of John's gospel, right before Jesus departs to be with the Father, he has this conversation with Peter where he recommissions him, and these words come up. 
I want you to look with me now at this passage. Jesus says to Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So um, for those of us that sometimes have the tendency to compare ourselves and our situation with those who seem to be receiving more of God's earthly blessings, uh, this passage right here is both an encouragement and a challenge. Uh, I, I say it's an encouragement because uh, it is encouraging to know that maybe even the Apostle Peter struggled with some of the same things, and God still used him, right? But it's, it's also a challenge because uh, Jesus' answer, his response to Peter, isn't very satisfying, is it? Essentially, Jesus tells Peter, he says, uh, you know, what happens to John, that's of no concern to you. He says, you know, Peter, I just need you to stay in your lane. I, I, I need you to worry about you. You follow me. Twice in that same brief conversation, he, he tells Peter to do that. And this got me thinking about other instances in the Gospels where Jesus gave the same invitation. At the beginning of his ministry, if you're in Matthew 4, we'll see that Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and you know what he said to them? Follow me. Later we read that Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, and guess what he said to him? Follow me. John 1, 43 reads like this. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. So this invitation, I, I think it had a distinct meaning to those who would accompany Jesus during his earthly ministry. But what we also see is this calling, this invite, it was for everyone. Jesus directed it to all those who wanted to experience what he had to offer. In John 8, 12, Jesus told the crowd, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Two chapters later, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they what? Say it with me. Follow me. We could keep going. John 12, 26, Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. Mark 8, 34, Jesus called the crowd to him and with his disciples and said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So this wasn't just an invite to a select group of people who had potential for future ministry. This was for everyone. And I believe this invitation is still valid for us today, even though Jesus isn't physically present. And, and the reason I feel confident in saying that is because, as we saw earlier, right before Jesus departed to be with the Father, we saw what he told Peter. He said, follow me. And so if this was so important to Jesus, the question is, is what did he mean? And, uh, you know, how in the world do we apply this to our lives? And so in the time that we have together, I'd like to probe the meaning of follow me 
and then share with you five implications that come as a result of of taking Jesus up on his offer. So when Jesus says, follow me, what did he mean? Uh, If you're taking notes, write this down. Follow me means that we're to follow his example and his teaching. We follow his example and his teaching. Let's take those one at a time. The reason I say that Jesus intended for us to follow his example is because Jesus told us that. We're going to look now at Jesus' words in John 13. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? He's just washed their feet. This is uh, the, the Last Supper. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then... If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus says, okay, you see how I've lived. You see how I've treated others. You see how I've reacted and responded in all kinds of situations. Now go and emulate me. Uh, The Apostle John, he puts it like this in uh, in 1 John 1, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him, that's Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The previous uh, Christmas, my my six-year-old son, Ian, he... uh, he was gifted an art kit as one of his presents. And in that kit, there was all kinds of uh, fun things. He had some like watercolors and some colored pencils, and he had some blank canvases. And one of the things that he had in there was tracing paper. Now, I, I imagine for um, some of us, it's been a few decades since we've used tracing paper, but you remember how this works, right? I, I, I liked tracing paper as a kid because I wasn't a very good artist. Uh, but with tracing paper, I, I could lay it on top of something and I could produce a, a work of art I could have never otherwise come up with on my own. And what Jesus is telling us is that, um, that when we follow him, our lives are to be a lot like tracing paper. He is the original that was worth copying. And what we do is we set our lives on top of his And then we begin to respond in the ways that he would respond. We begin to act in the ways that he would act. We begin to treat people in the ways that he would have treated people. We begin to love like he would have loved. And in doing so, in making those decisions and following his example, our lives become uh, more like his. We begin to look like him. And, And not only are we to follow his example, we're also to follow his teaching. And I realize it might be like, uh, that's a no-brainer. That's, you, you, you're, you're like Captain Obvious up here. But listen, you know, the, the reason I emphasize this is because I, I think it was pretty important to Jesus. Uh, the longest recorded sermon we have of Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And you want to guess how that message ends? Does Jesus say, hey, uh, I, I really hope you enjoyed the sermon and you'll come again next week? No, he didn't say that. I don't don't know why we pastors say that. Uh, This is how it ends. Jesus says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, 
and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. It's good to follow Jesus' example. It will make the world a better place if all of us were to follow Jesus' example. But that's not sufficient to make one a follower of Jesus because Jesus says that his words are pretty important too. And he really wanted his followers to adhere to his teaching. And I think this is an area where many of us struggle today. It's popular to talk about uh, the great example that Jesus left us. But how much attention do we pay to his teaching? There's a survey that happens every other year. LifeWay Research conducts it, and it's just designed to, to get a sense for what Americans believe about God. And uh, the results for the most recent survey came out this fall. And uh, the, the survey included all Americans uh, but there was different categories, and, and the results among those who identified themselves as evangelicals were particularly interesting. I say that because, you know, evangelicals, these are the people that are supposed to be known for being, like, really serious about the Bible. Here's what it revealed. 30% of evangelicals agreed with the statement that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. I, I say that's interesting because... Jesus didn't teach that. Um, in fact, um, there was one time uh, he was talking to the crowd, and Jesus says, uh, before Abraham was, I am. And you know what? His audience knew exactly what he was claiming, that he was claiming to be deity, and that's why they picked up stones to try and stone him. Uh, Jesus received worship uh, as God. You know, almost one in four think, that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion, and it's not about truth. More than one in three believe the claim that God will always reward true faith with material blessings in this life. Jesus didn't promise material blessing. If anything, he promised persecution, and he, and he taught the truth was pretty important. I, I, I think of it like this. It, um, if, if someone claimed to be a follower of, of Karl Marx, and you struck up a conversation with them, and you got to talking about economics. And, and this person said that, that they believed that, uh, that free market conditions provided the best environment uh, for members of a society to create wealth. Would that person be a follower of Karl Marx? No. No, because Karl Marx didn't teach that. And it's the same way. If we're, if we're going to be a followers of Jesus, we actually have to adhere to what he taught. And it isn't just the red letters in the Bible that are important, as if somehow the, you know, the words of Jesus, they just get elevated above everything else. That's not the case, because Jesus himself placed a great emphasis on all of Scripture. He, he responded to the Pharisees by saying things like this, Have you not read what was said to you by God? And then he, he quoted from the book of Exodus. Jesus deferred to Scripture in his teaching. He held up everything written in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms as authoritative. In Matthew 5, 18, Jesus said, Until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law 
until all is accomplished. And so it's, it's the whole body of teaching contained in the scriptures that, that we need to embrace. And in doing so, we follow Jesus because Jesus is the one that's behind it all. So when Jesus says, follow me, he means that we follow his example and we follow his teaching. And I'd like to share with you now five implications that give us insight into this invitation. The first is this. If you're taking notes, you can just write these down. The call to follow Jesus is relational. Notice we see Jesus doesn't invite us to a program. Jesus doesn't say, here are the rules and regulations. Jesus doesn't say what every other religion says. He doesn't say, here's the noble eightfold path you need to follow. He doesn't say, here are the five pillars you need to adhere to. Jesus says, follow me. It's an invite to a relationship. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the way. I'm the path. I'm the life. Follow me as your life. The second implication is that the call to follow Jesus means that we need to remain close to him. It requires that we remain close to him. You know, it's hard to follow someone if you can't see them. Last year when we weren't meeting in person, I interviewed a different individual from our congregation every week, and we shared those on YouTube. It was a way to try and provide connection and allow people to still get to know one another when we were sheltering in place. And one of the, uh, the, the fascinating individuals I had the opportunity to interview uh, was Ted Warren. I don't know how many of you saw that episode, but Ted Warren uh, spent many years as a DEA agent, and he did some pretty hairy stuff. I mean, he went undercover. Uh, he kicked down doors at 2 a.m. Uh, we owe this man a great deal of gratitude for uh, making our country a lot safer. But I want you to think with me for a moment. Can you imagine if, uh, if DEA agent Ted was, was tasked with, with following a, uh, a suspected arms dealer? Uh, and, and as he was tailing that individual, he, he drove past a, a movie theater. And he said, oh, would you look at that? You know, they've got, they've got Mall Cop 2 out. I, I just, I, I've been dying to see that, and I'm just going to pull into the parking lot, I'm going to get a ticket, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch the next showing, and, and then later I'll just, I'll try and figure out where that guy went, and I'll try and catch back up with him. That'd be absurd, right? I mean, if, if a DEA agent tried something like that, they would, they would get fired for failing to accomplish their mission. And yet, I, I can't help but wonder if many people who claim to be Christian, do something similar when it comes to Jesus. We're supposed to be following him, but we say things like, oh, Jesus, you, you know, you know i got a real busy day, so I'll just, you know, I'll try and catch up with you later. Or, or Jesus, it's, it's, it's been so hectic, I just need to veg out in front of the TV tonight. Or Jesus, I just, you know, I, I, need, a, I need a break from church. I, I'm, I'm going to go to the lake or I'm going to go to the beach this weekend. And listen, there's nothing wrong with taking a vacation, but what happens is all of a sudden that begins to turn into every other week, and all of a sudden that, that, that time of corporate worship that Jesus says is pretty important, well, uh, that begins to, it's just something that happens maybe once a quarter. Listen, and Jesus would say, if you want to follow me, you have to remain close to me. How can you expect to follow me if you're not making any effort to do that? 
See, I, I, I wonder sometimes if we've allowed a contemporary usage of this word follow to dilute the force of what Jesus intended. See, nowadays when we use the word follow, it's often in the context of social media. So uh, when it comes to Facebook, you friend people, but, uh, you know, Gen Z, help me out here. When, it, when, it's, uh, when it's Instagram and, and, and when it's Twitter, what do we do? We follow, right? Do, do you know Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock? He has over 205 million followers on Instagram. And he's in third place. Ariana Grande and Cristiano Ronaldo both have more followers than he does. Over on Twitter, it's uh, former President Barack Obama who leads the way. And, uh, and he's followed by Justin Bieber and Katy Perry. True. Um, now, now if, if you are one of the uh, 111 million people who follow Justin Bieber, I'm not judging you. He, he, he's, made, he's made some pretty uh, catchy songs. But, but here's what I am saying. Following the Biebs the way that you follow him should look nothing like the way that you follow Jesus. Because Jesus isn't asking to show up in your Twitter feed. Jesus isn't even asking for a, a casual association or a nominal adherence. Jesus is asking to be number one. Jesus wants to be your primary priority. He wants an intimate, up-close, and personal relationship. And, and, and the way that we maintain that relationship is by making some effort to, to, to draw close to him. And that happens through prayer, through time in his word, and through times of worship like this. Implication number three. The call to follow Jesus is an exclusive one. So let's think back to, to our friend you know, DE agent Ted Warren here for a moment. Let's just suppose that he's, he's gathering intelligence and, uh, and two unsavory individuals uh, come, come walking out of a house and they climb into separate cars. Ted's going to have to make a decision which vehicle he's going to follow, isn't it? Because he can't follow both. And it's the same way with Jesus. Jesus says no one can have two masters in Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul tells us that if we aren't following Jesus, we're following the ways of this world. We're following popular culture. We're following our friends. We're following our own selfish desires. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to say, I'm following Jesus. But the question is, are you really doing that? Or, or, or is it just some nominal adherence? Or at the end of the day, are you really following your career ambitions or your financial aspirations or this own little version of the American dream that you've mapped out for yourself? Matthew 8 tells us that on one occasion, a scribe came up and said to him, that's Jesus, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, are you sure you want to go all in with me? Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. I realize that might just seem kind of harsh of Jesus, but know this, Jesus wasn't saying that honoring your father and mother is important. Uh, 
commentators agree that most likely this man's parents were still alive. And uh, what this man was essentially saying was, hey, I'm just not sure how uh, it would look if I blew off these cultural expectations that, that I take care of my parents. So just, you know, l- let me wait until my father passes and then I'll follow you. And Jesus saw through this man's insincerity. He said, no, if, you, if you're going to be follow me, then I need to come first. I need to be your number one commitment. And I can't help but wonder if sometimes maybe we aren't like this wannabe follower. If we say things like, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but, but, but first, you know how busy things are right now. Let me, let me get my career established, and then when I have more time, then, then I'll serve you. Then I'll volunteer at church. Uh, then I'll join a small group. Or Jesus, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm going to follow you, uh, but, but first, let, let me save a little. Let, let me put a little away for retirement, and then, then, then I'll honor you with my giving. Or Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but, but first, let me, let me just see where this relationship goes that I'm in. I know this other person isn't really interested in you, but uh, I really like him, and I'm just kind of curious to see where this relationship goes. Listen, if, if we say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you when, or I, I'm just, you know, not right now, but I'm, I'm going to do it, we're not following him. You know, Jesus doesn't even say, he, he doesn't say, follow your heart. And that, that's because Jesus knows uh, that, that our feelings, that our desires, they can deceive us, they can mislead us. And he knows that, that all these things need to be filtered through his teaching. And so Jesus just says, follow me. Implication number four, the call to follow Jesus comes with a cost. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer summarized the invitation of Jesus by saying that when Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. So said another way, when when Jesus invites us to come and follow him, it, it begins with a death to self. When Jesus says that we're to deny ourselves, He isn't just talking about giving up certain things like, I don't know, uh, marijuana or pornography. It is way, way more encompassing than that. Jesus says we need to give up control of our entire lives to him. This idea that we are masters of our fate and captains of our soul, it's it's a really appealing one, but Jesus says that has got to go. He says we, we need to give up our autonomy, we need to relinquish the right to call the shots, and we need to embrace his will, whatever the cost. And the cost might mean a number of things. It, it, it could lead to making some really difficult choices. It, it, it could mean saying no to some things that seem really appealing. Uh, for, for others in some parts of the world, following Jesus, it, it might mean being shunned by family and friends. It might mean being ostracized or maybe even martyred. Uh, here, in, in, for those of us living in the U.S., it, it might mean a loss of reputation. It might mean we get looked at a little bit differently and labeled unfairly by classmates or coworkers as being prudish or, or backwards 
We're brainwashed. It might mean we're, we're falsely accused of, of things like being intolerant or um, just dangerous to society. It might mean that we're marginalized or not invited to parties. But Jesus never said it was going to be easy. In fact, he told his disciples, if they persecute me, they will also persecute you. But Jesus did promise that it would be worth it. And this brings us to our final and fifth implication. Following Jesus leads to life. Right after Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He went on to say, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. In other words, the way to get life is to lay down your life. The person who, who willingly gives up control of their life and yields it to Jesus, that person will receive everlasting life with God. And this offer that Jesus gives isn't just something that we experience in the future. It's a life that begins in the present. It, it's a, a full and satisfying life. Jesus gives us his joy and his peace, and it's not contingent upon any circumstances. He imparts it to us. So following Jesus, it comes with a, with a cost but it pales in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that it produces in us. Now, I, I want to be clear that I'm not implying that your salvation is somehow tied to how good a job you do following Jesus. When Jesus says, follow me, he isn't suggesting that uh, one day he's going to decide who gets into heaven based on uh, how good a job we did being his apprentices. Jesus knows that none of us can, can successfully follow him by the strength of our own willpower. And his invitation isn't a call to a greater level of self-effort. In fact, uh, this is what the Pharisees seemed to be all about. Uh, they were a group of people who were trying to follow God in their own strength and, and justify themselves uh, based on their own effort. And Jesus had some really strong words for them. In order to follow Jesus, we need outside help. And Jesus promised his disciples he would send a helper. He says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when a person makes a decision to follow Jesus, when we say something like this, Jesus I believe that you're the son of God and I believe that you died in my place and I believe that you have the words of, of life and I want to follow you. When, when a person makes that decision, something special happens. Jesus sends that helper. Uh, what Romans 8 calls the spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit. And the, and the Holy Spirit indwells us and begins to change us from the inside out. So that, so that we can follow in Jesus' example and we, and we can apply his teaching to our lives. And because Jesus sends that spirit, a Christian is not just a follower of Jesus. We're, we're not just Jesus' apprentices. It's, it's, it's even more than that. What happens is we become united to Christ. And this is why the New Testament talks so much about being in Christ. And so when we make the decision to follow Jesus, Jesus takes the relationship to a whole new level. 
And through the Holy Spirit, he, he begins to express his life through us because we're united to him. And my question for you is, have you made the decision to follow him? Not have you joined a church, not have you walked down an aisle, not have you prayed a prayer, but have you made a decision to follow him? Have you said, Jesus, I give up control to you. Jesus, I'm going to let you call the shots. Jesus, you can be number one. I'm, I'm relinquishing it all. I'm going to follow you. We're either going to follow Jesus or we're going to follow something else. And I'm telling you, it's worth it to follow Jesus because he's the son of God who died in our place and he has the words of life and he's coming again. And so we can make the decision to follow him now and we can receive the life that he offers or we can submit to his lordship later on that day when he returns as judge, on that day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Have you made the decision to follow him? Or are you following something else? And if you've never made the decision to follow him, I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. It would be the best way that you could begin 2021. And I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. Jesus, I, I thank you for the ways that you are so patient with us. Jesus, I thank you that when we tune you out, that you don't give up on us. And I, I think of us those of us who, at one point in time, we can look back and we can know that we, we, we have made a decision to follow you, but we have not followed you as we ought. Instead of pursuing you, uh, we've just done what seems right to us. We've chased what we've wanted. We've pursued the things that interest us. And then we've just said, Lord, would you bless it? And we realize that uh, that's not the way it should go. That we should seek you first. And so we ask for your forgiveness. And we pray that as we begin this new year that you would recalibrate our hearts, that you would realign our priorities, and you would help us to fix our eyes on you so that we can follow you in the way that you deserve to be followed. And Lord, for the, the person who has never made that decision to follow you and is going through this life uh, without the hope of spending eternity with you. I pray for that person and ask that you would be uh, at work in their life right now by your spirit and that you would be convicting them making them aware of their great need for Jesus. And if that's you, if you know right now the Lord is speaking to you, I want to give you the opportunity to respond, and you can pray a prayer just like this. 
You can say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you claim to be. You're the Son of God. And I believe that you died in my place to bear the consequences for my disobedience, for my rebellion. And I know I'm in need of a Savior. And I thank you for being that Savior. And now, I want to make a decision to follow you all my days. And all God's people said, Amen.